is JP Gooderham, your host of Fear the Wavecast. You're back with us for episode 21 of our show. As you know, in the spring, we try to do some check-ins when there are some interesting things happening out in the world of the Green Wave. I think that, that right now certainly qualifies. Tulane is coming off of a massive road series win over number 24, Cal State Fullerton. They're in the ranking conversation for the first time since 2016. I want to talk some baseball, but we're going to bring in an expert to do that. And we're very lucky today to have the return of the voice of the Green Wave to Fear the Wave cast. It is Mr. Andrew Allegretta. Andrew, how have you been, man? I'm doing well. I'm thrilled to the start of the baseball season. Uh, I'm detoxing my first Mardi Gras experience. I didn't get actual Mardi Gras since the basketball team uh, was on the road in Tulsa, but I saw Bacchus on Sunday night. Uh, so I'm detoxing on the fence, soaking it all in. It's been good. I did notice that. I'm like, man, they really planned the schedule to make sure that Andrew spends almost no time in New Orleans during his first Mardi Gras. <laughs> You know, I was, I was talking with our sports information director for basketball, Adam Miller, and he's basically saying typically the league will send Tulane on the road basketball-wise maybe Wednesday and Saturday or Thursday and Sunday, so you miss Muses, you miss Bacchus, you miss some of those, you miss Endemian, you miss some of those over the weekend, but you tend to be at home for actual Mardi Gras. And for whatever reason, we weren't on the road Thursday, and of course Muses gets canceled because of the wind, uh, then we're on the road in Orlando, so it's the only one I could see with pockets, but I jumped it in. <laughs> well, you you did the best with the the time that you had. I mean, we were talking about this offline, but you know, the I think you came on Fear the Wavecast for the first time, really in your first or second week into football. So tell us a little bit about uh, you know, how how it's been settling into this with with now in your third sport, but also you know, I think one thing that's exciting that you're doing is you're looking to do some off the air stuff, like with your new podcast. So talk us through. Uh, what is what's up with you and, and where Tulane fans can find you as you tell some of these stories? Yeah, so the first year has been great. I mean, number one, whether it's athletic director Troy Dannon, uh, whether it's Dana Woodson, uh, whether it's Willie Fritz or Ron Hunter or John Thomas Stewart, the best thing about being down here has been getting to know some of these people and the support that they put behind really any one of their employees. If you want to try to do something, they're going to do the best that they can to try to help facilitate that. My general manager at Learfield IMG College, Nathan Hubble, is fantastic. Uh, so the first year has been great, just getting to know everybody. Uh, I certainly have been soaking it in. I've been trying to observe as much as I can, uh, learn as much as I can about what it means to be a, a two-lane green wave and go from there. Uh, I'm going to try to do as much as I can to help tell the story moving forward as well. So we've started uh, two new things coming up in the next couple of weeks or so. We're going to get, and I think this is at least important for what, I'm doing. Uh, it's not official just yet. It's not totally launched just yet, but I wanted to make sure the baseball broadcasts that we do on the audio side of things are available on TuneIn, TuneIn Radio, whether that's the app, whether that's um, the website. We've had football and men's basketball there, but we've not had baseball. I know how much Tulane fans care about baseball, and I know how spread out Tulane fans are, so I want to make that as easily accessible digitally. So I'll be tweeting about that as soon as we get that box finally checked. Uh, and then we have launched a podcast called The Current, uh, easily accessible if you search Tulane The Current, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever, which is basically going to be my platform to try to talk with some of our former players. Not too long ago, got to know, obviously, his background as a football player, but some of the off-the-field stuff, he is a big-time trumpet player, keeps music very close in his life that kind of stuff, or whether it's talking with our current guys. You know, obviously I've got that unique opportunity to be around our programs as much as possible. Uh, so if we can have those conversations, get to know coaches, athletes, and then just break down how the team's doing on a regular basis. If fans want to follow us 
regularly. That's where I want that platform to be. Uh, we're just dipping our toes in the water, so uh, we're learning and we're growing as we go. But uh, I'm excited about all of that moving forward. Really, really cool, and and I think it's an awesome idea. And I did not know Melody Moore played the trumpet until now, so I'm already I'm in, man. I'm totally I'm sold. I'm sold. Um, there you go. <laughs> so you know, I wanted to bring you on to. We're in an interesting moment. We're talking on on kind of Wednesday morning, uh, right after the the win over Fullerton. Tulane is playing UNO tonight. We'll talk a little bit about that game, but at a high level, you know, Tulane is six and one. They've just knocked off a top twenty five team on the road. They're in the cusp of the D1 baseball top 25 for the first time since 2016. What's the mood like around this club? Uh, certainly a lot of excitement, certainly a lot of belief. Uh, head coach Travis Jewett has this team very much thinking uh, NCAA tournament, obviously, as well he should, uh, trying to gauge their way back to Omaha. They've got a long way to go to do that. Uh, but there's belief in that clubhouse. Uh, there's belief that despite the losses, whether it's Cody Hosey, Whatever it happens to be, some of the guys that aren't on the program, you still have a Hudson Haskin. Uh, you still have a Ty Johnson coming back who's swinging it well so far. And then the way that Braden Oltoff has thrown the baseball in the first two starts that he's had, I mean, they've totally revamped that pitching rotation. And to get those two performances from Oltoff right off the top, uh, enthusiasm can't be understated with this program at the moment. So I want to back up a little bit because I think you hit something really interesting would you agree with this? I, I feel like Tulane was very much an under-the-radar team externally entering this year. You know, they, they've had a drought for the past three seasons of not making the NCAA tournament. The team was only picked to finish fourth in the league. There were no first-place votes in the AEC preseason poll. Did those expectations you talked about, whether it is we are going to get back to an NCAA tournament this year or we have higher hopes of potentially having an Omaha, like a, a serious run to the College World Series, were those expectations that have already been been baked into this from coach Dewitt's perspective or how have you seen that play out? You know, I don't want to put words in his mouth. I don't know for sure exactly how they've been motivated by preseason polls or lack thereof. Obviously East Carolina has established itself as a really good program in this conference. So they have earned the votes that they have gotten uh, the program that always blows my mind. And I know we're going with redacted at this point, but the fact that UConn has put together consistently a baseball program in that state with those conditions uh, blows me away, knowing what I know about college baseball. I understand Connecticut is right there with Yankees, Red Sox. They love baseball, but uh, to get some of the talent that he's had is, is unbelievable. Uh, so the fact that you've had some of those programs doing those things and Cincinnati's played well at times, uh, you're, you're going to fall under the radar naturally. So I, I think it's probably a comfortable place to generate some energy and motivation from. Exactly how much they're talking about it, I, I don't necessarily more as I, I go throughout this season uh, but it, it has to be kind of a natural thing that oh we're not picked and Cody Hosey is gone and so on and so forth and you've got junior college kids coming in trying to prove themselves and Haskin is going to try to prove himself as the anchor of this lineup so there's plenty of personal motivation that kind of is coupled with that team motivation. So another thing you touched on Andrew is that obviously a huge storyline of this early season is Juco transfer Braden Oldhoff he has two starts so far he's won the AAC pitcher of the week his name is already etched as third all-time in single-game strikeouts after dealing 16 at Fullerton. How impressive has he been in these two starts so far? And are we ready to, to say, you know, he's the ace? Well, I think we can certainly say he's the ace. He's earned himself that title with his back-to-back -back pitching performances against Fullerton as well as Florida Gulf Coast. I, I don't think you can dodge that. What, what's funny uh, to me to an extent is, 
Um, he probably could have garnered some attention for national pitcher of the week if it wasn't for the kid at Duke that threw a perfect game or the way the <laughs> lighter sun is throwing at Vanderbilt at the moment. There's been a ton of really good pitching performances uh, in, in college baseball in the first couple of weeks. So I, I'd say he's the ace so far. I like the fact that he pounds the strike zone. I think it was um, – I can't quite remember in his first pitching performance against Florida Gulf Coast whether it was you know, 13, 14, 15 strikeouts and – what was it? No walks or one walk or something mm-hmm. that uh, guys love the strike zone, especially in college baseball, um, have my full heart. They have my absolute full heart in college baseball, and Oltoff has done that so far. So one thing I was kind of looking at, and I couldn't agree with that more. I think the the performances he's had, he has twenty six strikeouts in in uh, two uh, two starts so far. Obviously, he you know he has both of those were wins, zero point six zero ERA. I mean, it's been tremendous so far. I think the other thing, too, is, you know, kind of looking, I know you weren't here in, in previous years, but looking at the schedules, it has felt like for the past couple of years that Tulane early in the season has faced a team from California and, and it has not gone well. And it, it really has opened up the floodgates for some of these seasons before where we've seen some of the challenges that Tulane has faced really come into play. And, and I mean, last year they got swept by UCSB. Uh, and that kind of put them in a tailspin. The year before that, it was a series loss to Fullerton. 2017, they were swept by UCSB that season as well. How big of a deal do you think it is? I, I know we've talked about how there is talent on this team. You have guys like Hudson Haskin who are garnering you know, All-America-type attention. You have JUCO guys who are trying to prove themselves. Putting it together in a series like last weekend, especially with one that was going down to the wire in so many of those games, how meaningful is that for the overall confidence of this program right now? Uh, well, first off, I think it's funny that you mentioned some of those California series because you're right. I don't have a ton of backstory on all of states, specifically that the Fullerton Stadium is like his personal nightmare <laughs> because of the number of times that they've gone out there and just had just something go wrong for them. Uh, so the fact that they checked that box is is good. Uh, you know, it, it's it's good. It's really good. I'm not gonna go crazy with it right jp because like we've got to be cautious and we're two lane fans and we've seen the ups and we've seen the downs and uh we certainly know what happened with the football team when the schedule got much more difficult going five and one to one and five and then thank goodness getting the bowl victory over southern miss so it's still a good season but we're we're super early i i just think the pieces are lining up in a nice direction uh to do good things throughout the course of this year. It's college baseball. You're going to play, what is it, 56 games? There, there probably will be a three-game losing streak in there somewhere, right? Uh, but the fact that this team has proven at least it's got a skill set to battle through it I think is huge. Uh, they're going to have to get more consistent on the pitching mound uh, because the one game that I did travel to, to Louisiana Lafayette, thank goodness uh, for uh, – Janetta, who came into that ball game uh, for Tulane, had settled things down because some guys were struggling in that game despite an eight nothing start uh, for Tulane. So it, we're not we're not just coasting on cruise control here, seven games in, uh, but they're they're setting up the metaphorical puzzle pieces to come together nicely. <clears throat> so you know we're talking before the start of the Pelican Cup today when Tulane plays UNO. I think another question I would ask is, do you have a sense of what Coach Jewett is going to continue to do this season in these midweek games as he approaches pitching? You know, I think one of the things that has been a huge step forward this year is the newcomers have have looked really good on the weekend. 
Uh, and obviously that gives you some more depth with some of the guys who have been around this program before. How do you think he's going to approach those midweek games from a pitching perspective? You know, I guess we'll learn more as we go throughout it. If anything is an indication from Louisiana Lafayette, it probably will be pitching by committee, which is not necessarily unheard of. Um, I don't know that they've got some guy that they've just tapped on the shoulder at this point and said, hey, you're our Tuesday or Wednesday guy, uh, which is, quite frankly, somewhat atypical in college baseball anyway, at least from what I've seen over the past uh, eight years. Yeah. At the moment, it seems like it's going to be cobbled together as you go, which is okay. If you feel good about someone that can give you three innings, three innings, and then three innings, then by all means, uh, knock yourself out. Uh, you just want to make sure that you take care of business in these midweek games to the best of your ability, because it goes, it goes such a long way. Like if, if, if you can take care of business in midweek games, all of a sudden your 32, 33, 34 wins in a season becomes third. The good teams that I've been around, they they don't slip up on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Yeah, I think I think it's a big step forward. And I think it's something that we really saw last year where without the depth, it's really tough to win those games. So I think that's that's definitely something I'm looking at. My other question for you would be, you know, it's obviously still early. I agree with everything you just said before. Also, as a note, I was just looking at the the non-conference schedule, which I think some people saw as not being particularly strong when they first looked at it. But if you look at like D1 baseball, they, they do their uh, every weekend, like who are your, your standout teams? Dallas Baptist and Long Beach State University, two of the series that Tulane has coming up, both were some of the top performing teams from the last weekend of baseball. I think there really is going to be, uh, yeah, especially those two series specifically, some really interesting additional opponents Tulane's going to see before a non-conference ske- or a, before a conference schedule that has teams like UCF, uh, ECU. I would add UConn to that conversation as well, who have played really well so far. So my question, Andrew, is you know it's early. What would you say is the biggest question mark you would want to see Tulane answer that will be key for them to be successful this season? Oh, I mean, I'm not going to necessarily break any news here but like the pitching staff better be darn good throughout the course of the season right and not just old Poff or the rest of the weekend starters but um can they get the shutdown guys in the fifth sixth seventh and eighth inning can Keegan Gillis if he's going to be the closer this year uh, can he be really strong can Connor Pellerin find some level of consistency uh we've seen him come in and a couple of hit by pitches that were awfully dangerous from Connor Pellerin to be quite frank they were up and inside and I think he got one guy in the helmet um, so can those guys fill up the strike zone? Uh, can they take care of business? Like that's the whole deal. Like this team still has enough enough offensive output uh, to be able to score five or six runs in a ball game. And if you can score five or six runs, you should find a way to win most of your games. Um, and so far, so good. The team ERA is down. Uh, the bullpen has looked good so far, uh, but the challenge is will rise. They will get tired. It is a long season. So you have the mental stamina. Uh, to get yourself through it and be effective when your number is called. So I'm not breaking any news there, but if the bullpen has a good season, I think Tulane should be in good shape. So we've obviously talked about Old Hoff as being the the absolute standout of the season so far, and he's certainly earned that honor with the two performances he's had. Who else has surprised you or stood out to you, not just pitching, but on the hitting side for this Tulane club so far this season? Uh, I know how much... Coach Jewett is excited to have a healthy Ty Johnson. Obviously, missing last season, had an injury. Uh, he's led off for Tulane. He's uh, been a really effective hitter. Uh, I think that's really been a nice surprise. I like the way that 
Grant Matthews has played so far. Uh, again, I've been hit or miss on some of these games right because I didn't go to Fullerton. I was with the Hoops team down in Orlando and then yesterday over in Tulsa. Uh, but I see the way he played against Louisiana Lafayette. Obviously had that three-run home run, but I like the way that he handled the glove at first base. He made probably a game-saving catch at Louisiana Lafayette at one point at first base, jumping up and, and taking away what could have been an extra base hit down the right field line. So I like the way that he's played so far. I guess those are the two names that have jumped out. Um, they're going to have a stable of catchers, it looks like at this point, that they'll be able to rotate through, which is quite honestly nice uh, because you get a lot of games in college baseball. And unless you've got an absolute horse behind home plate, it's nice to be able to go and give somebody a day off uh, maybe on Sunday or on a Tuesday, so they stay fresh. So I, I, I like that about the way that Coach Tewin has lined up his team this year as well. Yeah, no, I think that that definitely tracks, and, and those are some real positives. Grant Matthews has been tremendous. He has eight RBIs so far, which leads the team. So it's been great seeing some of these other guys really step up. But I, I've been I've been really happy with the performance at the plate so far this season, and I think that's going to continue to be an engine for this team. But, you know, we're talking right now, Tulane is playing UNO today. And like I said, this is another one of those things where I don't know how much of the historical context you've been given, but dude, Tulane has a wild and weird history with UNO and the Pelican cup used to be called the first NBC cup. And I'm talking like, I can remember some games. I don't think I'm even exaggerating here where Tulane was leading by like eight (laughs) runs in the ninth and lost in reg- in 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 uh, in regular like it was crazy. So my question would be, do you have any sense of this UNO game tonight? Does it take on any extra meaning, or is this just another midweek game where they're trying to figure out, like you said, what the rotation is going to look like? You know, who who can go in and give you those three innings? Uh, you know, what what's the approach for the team entering a game like this? Oh, I'm sure it has extra meaning for them, especially for the guys that have been around especially for Travis. You want to take care of business. You want to beat UNO. You want to beat Louisiana Lafayette. And you certainly want to beat LSU when they come up on the schedule uh, as well. You want to beat Southeastern. I don't care. Playing one of these teams around here, you want to win the games. You want to beat the college baseball team in this region. And obviously LSU has been able to flex its muscles for obvious reasons, but uh, Tulane shouldn't shy away from those battles, I don't think. Um, So I'm I'm sure it matters to them to control this region, to be the team that that, uh, gets the attention down here in New Orleans. Um, I'm excited to learn the history. I'd rather not have some sort of eight-run collapse in the ninth inning tonight if they want a nice, comfortable four-to-nothing victory and you know they combine for a perfect game. That would be perfectly acceptable to me. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, you know, you, you still need to take care of business. And I still, you want to win the game because it's New Orleans, at least my mindset anyway is going to be, if you're Tulane and you're trying to make it to the NCAA tournament and you're trying to push for the Supers and trying to push for Omaha, we'll see how that goes throughout the course of the season. Like, you can't, you, you, you can't duck these games. You've got to go out there and you've got to be the big brother, whatever it happens to be, whatever metaphor you want to put on it. You've got to be the team that dominates these games because you've got, quite frankly, in the long run, bigger goals in mind. You want to win you, but you know, you want to win LSU, you want to win these games, but your goal is regional supers and beyond. So flex your muscles and be as much of a dominating force as you can. At least I think that's my mindset. No, I think that's that's exactly spot on. And that's been the difference between the the great Tulane teams and some of the ones who who haven't been able to get it done in games like this. So I'm excited for tonight. I think that, you know, with the momentum they have and, and the way things finished in that Sunday game, which I know you weren't there, man. It was like five hours. I think that game was five. It was it was 
from... Well, for what it's worth, I was out at Bacchus and someone was following it the entire time. So, like, I'd go get a beat and then I'd come back and see how the 13th inning was doing or what, whatever it happens to be. You know, I'd get a pair of sunglasses from somebody and then I'd come back and see how the 19th inning was doing. So, uh, we, we, we had tabs on that game while we watched some of the floats go by. Absolutely crazy, but so excited for this team. Andrew, it's been awesome having you today and just getting some perspective. we got to have you back again in the future. We talked about The Current, your new podcast. People should definitely go follow that and, and find it. So, you, you know, all those interviews you're doing, that is fantastic. Uh, for other, where can people find you on Twitter? Where else should people, uh, what else can we tell people to do here? Uh, yeah, The Current, that's good. Go check that out. Download it again, The Current. Usually I have to throw in like a here. Uh, but the current Tulane on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, social media account for me is always going to be Twitter. That's where I do the most stuff. A Allegretta. Just search my name. You'll find it. It's two L's, two T's. You'll be able to spell it. Uh, and then, as always, we'll be broadcasting um, all of the uh, Tulane baseball games uh, for people local. 88.3 is our station. But at the same time, uh, for those out there, one of the things that I'm pushing, and I think we'll be able to check that box fairly soon, is I want to make sure that it's easy to stream all of our games digitally as well. So if you're, you know, out doing something on a Saturday and you want to pull up your phone and download the TuneIn app and just search Tulane Baseball, we're going to get that done. So if you're moosing around the yard or the house or doing errands or whatever it happens to be, uh, we're easy to listen to um, as well digitally. So we'll get that TuneIn Baseball uh, stream going for the baseball team soon enough and i'll tweet that out as soon as that is 100 crossed and we're good to go that's awesome and i can say for all of us out of state wave fans that is a big deal so i am giving yeah. you some virtual applause right now for that one you are fighting <laughs> the good fight and we appreciate you for that <laughs> do what i can <laughs> all right everyone go make sure i'm sure you are already but make sure you're following andrew on social media keep checking out his uh his broadcast it is awesome and it is the best way to listen to any two-lane sports event it's what you got to do folks so thank you andrew got to have you back again and stay angry my friends thanks everyone
That's awesome. And I can say for all of us out-of-state Wave fans, that is a big deal. So I am giving you some virtual applause right now for that one. You are fighting the good fight, and we appreciate you for that. <laughs> all right, everyone, go make sure. I'm sure you are already, but make sure you're following Andrew on social media. Keep checking out his uh, his broadcast. It is awesome, and it is the best way to listen to any two-lane sports event. It's what you got to do, folks. So thank you, Andrew. Got to have you back again. And stay angry, my friends. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.